Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to week number three of Reclaiming Sacred Words. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a privilege to share this time with you. I'm going to share another sacred word with you in just a few moments. Before we do that, though, I do want to give three updates and talk a little bit about what Liz already shared, but kind of reemphasize some things that are just really unique and special The first update is just about Vacation Bible School, which ended on Friday. Such an extraordinary week for us as a church in serving kids and families and the communities around us. It was a great time. This room is just filled with kids jumping up and down on these chairs, having a great time, learning about Christ along the way. And you heard the numbers already in terms of kids who trusted Christ and the amount of generosity that flowed from them. Really just a memorable week. And I want to thank Dan and Christy McInnes, as well as Deanna Holzer, for their leadership in putting all of that together. And I would like to do this as well. If you volunteered in any way throughout the week, would you please stand so that we can thank you? Go ahead, don't be shy. That's great. Okay, remain standing. Thank you. We want to just... Thank you, really, so much from the bottom of our hearts for what you gave this week, Monday through Friday, hours of time and energy. Hopefully you catch up on your sleep a little bit, but really, we want to thank you for your investment in our church, in our kids and families, and in the communities around us, so thank you so much. Okay, now you may be seated. There you go. Great week for us. Let me also just emphasize our summer connection groups. You have a flyer. I would encourage you to read that and be aware of what's happening. I would invite you to participate. I think it would be a great thing. And this is where you have the opportunity to move out of a row, which is how we engage on Sundays, and get into a circle where you can talk to people and have people talk to you as well, where you can know and be known. And that's really one of the priorities of our summer groups, to allow that to happen. Along the way, you get to learn about some incredible things, and you can read about that here. So please, if you are thinking about doing this, participate. I don't think you'll be disappointed at all, and I hope to see you there. The last update I want to give to you is I just want to say from my heart to yours, I love you and am so privileged and humbled to be on this spiritual journey with you. I believe God is at work in our faith community, and it really is just enjoyable to be a part of this with you. So you are loved, and I think we're going to have a fantastic morning. Before we dive into our next sacred word, let's take a moment and pray, okay? Father, we quiet our hearts right now and ask that you speak to us. We want you to take your word and open our hearts and minds to whatever it is that you want to say to us 
So God, I pray that you'd help us to listen, help us to be alert to whatever it is that you want to place upon us. And then God, I pray that you'd help us to be very willing to say, okay, God, if that's what you want, then that's what I need to be ready to do. God, I pray that you would use this sacred word today to encourage us as well as challenge us to be thinking about you and living for you. We ask all of this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our sacred word for today is confess, or we could even use the word confession, which has the idea of acknowledging something, acknowledging a wrong or acknowledging a sin. So here's the deal. Having a conversation about this particular sacred word, confess, means that we also have to have a significant conversation about this word. Great word, right? Yay for sin. And maybe you're thinking, why did I get up and come to church today to hear about sin, right? I can see it on some of your faces. You're wondering about that. And I don't know what your church experience has been like through the years, but maybe you're thinking, oh, churches specialize in this conversation, and here it comes, sin, 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 repent, 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 turn or burn, fire and brimstone, and more guilt and sin, and ah, here it comes, right? Why can't we just stay positive? Why can't we do that? Well, here's what we need to know about this particular word as it correlates with the sacred word, confess, which is a really good thing for all of us, and we'll get to that eventually. But first, we need to think about sin for a little bit because it's part of the same conversation. Here's what we need to be thinking about when it comes to sin. Sin is real. Sin is very real. And sin impacts all. And there is a remedy for sin. So we just need to be aware of this as we have the conversation. Sin is real. It's a serious thing that causes a tremendous amount of problems for all kinds of people. Sin is real. Sin impacts all. Every single person in this room is impacted by sin. From the youngest student, you're impacted by sin. And the sooner you learn how to handle this, and come to God in confession, the better off your life will be. So sin impacts the youngest person in this room. Sin also impacts the oldest person in this room. Sin impacts everyone. And we understand that to be true from Scripture. I think we know this to be true from our own human experience as well. Sin impacts us all. Now here's the really good news, and there is good news There is a remedy for sin, and we'll eventually get to that, and I think you'll be very encouraged with that information. Sin is real, sin impacts us all, and there is a remedy for sin. Honestly, we probably don't talk about sin enough. We probably don't. So let's have an honest conversation about sin, okay? Here's the word sin in the Old Testament which is the oldest portion of the Bible. There are 39 books there. And there are three primary words that are used for sin that basically mean evil, iniquity, or transgression. 
Evil, iniquity, or transgression. So whenever you are reading the Old Testament and you come across one of these words, evil, iniquity, or transgression, you can know that the author of that book is talking specifically about sin. That's what we find in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the primary word that we use for sin is the Greek word, hamartia. which means sin. There's also hamartiology, which is the field of study related to sin and how God responds to that. So we have a lot of words today that we're throwing out. Just try to write all of them down and keep that in perspective. The Old Testament, evil, iniquity, transgression, that's sin. In the New Testament, we have this word hamartia, which means sin. And that's what we will refer to it today. Yay, I can tell you're all really thrilled about talking about sin. I can tell you're excited about this, so hang with me. And I want to ask this, why does it matter that we talk about sin? Why does this matter? Or why have this conversation? Again, can't we just kind of skip over this and focus on things that are a little more positive? Why discuss this? Well, we discuss this because out of this word really comes this beautiful sacred word that we are going to discuss today, and that is the word confess, which is so liberating, so liberating. When we have the opportunity to step into the presence of God and confess our transgressions, our evil, our iniquities, our hamartia, our sin to God, that is so liberating, and that's exactly where God wants us to be. He wants us to live in that space. So that's why I think we have to have this conversation, because out of the word comes something beautiful that we all desperately need, and that is to confess. Okay, here's our big idea for today, so please take out your talk notes, find a pen, and let's walk through this. Here we go. Sin stinks. Okay, that's our big idea. That's true. Sin stinks, and followers of Jesus should do everything they can to run from it. And the rest of our time together, we'll focus on this a little bit. Sin stinks. It's a real thing. It's very dangerous. Causes a tremendous amount of problems for all of us. And so it stinks. And followers of Jesus should do everything they can to run from it. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses out of this great paragraph. Romans is a New Testament book. It comes right after the book of Acts and right before 1 Corinthians. This is written by the Apostle Paul. And here's what he says about the word sin and the study of sin. I'm going to begin with verse 23. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So this is true for all of us in this room and everybody outside of this room, right? Everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Do you see that phrase there, fall short? It has the idea to lack or to be destitute of. 
And that's the picture here. Everyone has sinned. We all lack. We are all destitute of God's glorious standard. And the picture here is that we are totally devoid of God's glorious standard. Even if we think we're okay, we don't even come close to this. And maybe you think you're a little closer to God's glorious standard than the person next to you. Don't look at them right now. (laughs) Maybe you feel that way about them. The reality is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we are all completely devoid of God's glorious standard. And even if we think we're a little bit better than the person next to us, we don't even come close. Not even close. Not great news, but get this, verse 24. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. Some really good news here. God, in his grace, he freely makes us right in his sight. Okay, what does that mean? Does God, in his grace, just kind of dismiss our sin like, ah, I'll just pretend I didn't see that and wink, wink, we'll just ignore that a little bit and that's how I distribute grace? No, that's not God's grace at all. That's not how it works. So how do we take care of sin? How does God do this? Well, this is where it gets good. The rest of verse 24 says, He, God, did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. God presented, he showcased Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Someone had to pay for sin. And God knew that we would never be able to do that because we don't even get close to God's glorious standard. We're devoid of that. Not even close on our best day. Not close. Someone had to pay for sin and God sent his son. Jesus is the one who took care of that for us. Question. When you view a cross, what do you see? When you see a cross in a piece of artwork or hanging on a wall or as jewelry, when you observe a cross, what do you see? Do you see pain, suffering, a martyr, a sacrifice? And all of those things are certainly part of what we see on the cross. I think that's true. What Paul, the writer here, is declaring in a pretty bold way is that the cross was God showcasing Jesus. The cross was God publicly presenting and publicly presenting and sharing Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. And it was a payment that satisfied God. So when we think of a cross, we think of all kinds of different things. One of the things we should look at it and say is that this was God's way of presenting publicly Jesus who paid for our sins. And with that payment, he satisfied God. God was happy with it. God was content. Is that making sense somewhat? Okay, that brings us to the word propitiation, 
We have all of these words today, hamartiology and propitiation. I want to share that word with you because it is so beautiful and should really encourage us today. There is another version of scripture that says this in verse 25, whom God put forward. So again, we're talking about Jesus. God presented him. God showcased him. God displayed him. God put him forward as a, here's the word, propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Okay, what does that mean? The word propitiation. Well, here's where it gets very interesting, and it's more good news for all of us sinners. And remember, that's what we are. That's what God says about us. And again, our own human experience confirms that. We fall way short of God's glorious standard. So this word propitiation, it actually brings in some good news as it relates to what God has done for us. So the prime meaning of the word propitiation is that the divine wrath of God, and keep in mind, God's not happy about sin. God can't dismiss that. He can't wink at it. Sin offends God. And so the basic meaning of the word propitiation is that the wrath of God is turned away or averted with the sacrifice of Jesus, which satisfied God himself. So propitiation, that's Jesus. It means wrath turned away or averted. Jesus paid the price for our sins, and that satisfied God the Father. So get this, Jesus is the propitiation for my sins. And he's the propitiation for your sins as well. He satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf with his sacrifice. That's what Jesus has done for us. So when we were far from God and falling short and not even getting close to God's glorious standard, Jesus satisfied God for all of us. Wow. I thought you might break out into clapping or something because that is absolutely remarkable. What Jesus has done for us in satisfying the payment for sin, it makes it possible for all of us to come into a right relationship with God. It's that good. Now, here's the conclusion, verse 25. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The unique thing about God is that he doesn't force himself on us. We still have a choice to make by faith whether to accept this or not. But the reality is, here's what God offers to everyone, to all sinners, which is, which is all of us. We have to remember that. Jesus is our propitiation. He satisfied the wrath of God. And so Paul then declares in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, so now... There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Refreshing news, don't you think? Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this. You ever beat yourself up because of sin and messing up and not honoring God? You ever beat yourself up over that? There is a sense where 
we do need to confess, and that's our sacred word, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But we need to know that Jesus has already satisfied the wrath of God. And he's done that for us. We could never do it on our own. And so now, for those who believe and trust in faith, what Jesus has done, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We actually have to start living like it once in a while. Okay, all of that sounds good. Jesus has done something for us that we couldn't take care of on our own, but here's the problem. We're still impacted every single day by sin. It's still here. It doesn't go away from us. So sin, 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 it's still a problem. It affects us all. And Paul, the writer of Romans, also acknowledges that when he says in chapter 7, the trouble is with me. This is the writer here, and he's saying, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has satisfied the wrath of God, but the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. That's a great statement, isn't it? Do you ever feel that way? I don't understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do the right thing, but I often find myself doing the wrong thing. I do what I hate, and if you are anything like me, same. Same. This happens to us. So what's the answer? Sin, hamartia, transgressions, iniquity, evil, All of this impacts us every single day and we want to overcome, but yet, man, we keep giving in to the same types of sins. The answer is this word right here. It's to confess, to confess. And this is what God offers to us. He invites us freely into his presence to say, okay, God, here I am and here's what I need to confess to you. How do we know that? Well, in 1 John chapter 1, we find these words. Verse 8 says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And we've talked about that already. We know that to be true. We all sin. So if we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. And then here's verse 9. But if we, will you say the word with me? Confess. That's our sacred word. If we confess our sins to him, here it comes, and this is so extraordinary, okay? If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful, that's God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some wickedness. Some? Yeah, all. Right? If you've never heard that before, would you just let that sit in your mind for a little bit? That if I do my part, if I confess this amazing God who is satisfied with the payment of Jesus for us, he will forgive and he will cleanse us, not from some wickedness, but from all wickedness, 
all unrighteousness. We have a responsibility in this, but God has to be God. He has to stick with his promise to forgive and cleanse us. Wow, more wow, and there probably should be more clapping because God is that good and amazing that he says to us, here's what I will do if you do this. Here's your part and and here's my part as well. So confession is the answer. By the way, that word confess in 1 John 1, 9 means to be of one mind, to speak the same, to agree, to acknowledge. That's the heart behind confession. We're saying the same thing about our sin that God would say. We're agreeing with him and what is revealed in his word about our actions. We're agreeing with God. We're having the same mind as God. So when we confess our sins to God, in essence, we're saying, God, I'm going to agree with you. And I'm coming before you and I'm confessing my pride, my arrogance, my lust, my anger, my whatever it might be. I'm saying the same thing about that that God would say. That's the idea of confession. And the promise is if you do that, God is faithful and just and he will forgive us and cleanse us from all from all. Let's not forget that word. I think the question becomes, you know, it sounds okay. All right, so I sin, I step into the presence of God. How do you actually do this? How does confession work? Well, I think we often complicate this a little more than what it should be. I think confession looks like this. It's simply coming before God and having a conversation with him and saying, God, here I am and I fall short of your glorious standard, and I'm going to say the same thing about this action that you would say, and please forgive me, and I'm going to claim 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess this, you are faithful and just, and you'll forgive me from, from all wickedness. I'm, I'm claiming that. I think it's simply stepping into the presence of God, and God invites us to do that. He wants to hear from us, and so we come before him and we confess Not always an easy thing, but a necessary thing if we're going to have any victory over the sin in our life. We have to give ourselves to a regular lifestyle of confession, coming before God and saying, here it is, here's my stuff. So I can share with you a little bit of what this looks like in my life, not that I get it perfect, but I think sometimes it helps to have an example. I try to have a daily prayer time with God. I don't always get that done, but try every day to say, okay, I want to carve out some time and just talk to God and have this conversation. And I have a list of things that I pray for when I talk to God. I pray for my wife, Tanya, and my kids. I pray for Valley Point Church. I pray for the communities around us and all kinds of of different things. And some days I'll spend more time on that list than others, just depending on what's happening. But I, ha- but I have this list. Part of the list for me includes this time of confession. And I try to lead with that. Well, let's get this stuff out of the way. You know, my unrighteousness. Let me get that out of the way so then I can talk to God about what is really on my heart. And he'll hear this and, and respond to me. And so I begin with that time of confession And I'll say, God, here I am again. And boy, yesterday I responded in anger to one of my kids. And I'm not proud of that. And I'm going to say the same thing about that that you would say. 
control your anger. And I want to confess that to you. And I'm going to claim 1 John 1, 9, that you will forgive and you will cleanse me from all of this. And I'll just run the list of things that are on my mind of where I have offended God. And I have found that to be very, very helpful. And maybe that'll be helpful for you. Just step into the presence of God and say, here I am. Here I am. Think Adele. Hello. It's me. Like that works. You just step into the presence of God and here I am again. I've been wondering if after all these years, maybe it's been a few years since you've had this confession time with God to go over everything. Right? Who knew pop culture could help us understand confession? But I think there's some uniqueness to just stepping before God and saying, okay, once again, hello. Maybe you prefer Lionel Richie. That's fine. You can go with that if you need to. But hello, uh, here I am. Here, here I am. And I have to confess, I have to say the same thing about this sin in my life that you say and I'm going to stand on 1 John 1.9. So do the Adele thing. Adele, propitiation, and hamartiology. We're bringing it all together and having fun. Okay, let's get to our takeaways. Number one, we are all sinners. That's true. But we are made right with God through Jesus. So live like it. Live like it. Sometimes we get so wrapped up and burdened with sin, let's just get over it and realize I can have victory in Christ when I confess. I need to continually do this, but let's live like Christ wants us to live on the victory side of this. And every time we fail, let's just keep coming back and owning that and saying the same thing about it that God would say. In Romans, the same book, chapter six, there's a fascinating section where the author says, how can we who are dead to sin? So think about this. If you have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, God views us as dead to sin. Now we still give into it and we have to fight that, but we need to begin viewing ourselves as dead to sin. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer there in it? And the answer there in Romans chapter six is God forbid. We don't have to do that. So Sin impacts us all, but we are made right with God through Jesus. So let's live like it. Let's live like it. Number two, run, don't dabble in sin because it devours. Don't dip your toe in the pool of sin because it feels really good and then we'll want to be all in on it. And sin devours. We could spend so much time right here. Like an addiction, if we continually give in to sin and don't confess that, it will take everything from us. It will own us. And so run. Don't dabble in it. It's not cute and it's not good. It's offensive to God. Let's confess it and move on and do that as quickly as we can because sin will devour us. It will take absolutely everything. And by the way, sometimes I think it's good to confess to others as well. We confess to God because he's the only one who can absolve our sin. He's the only one who can declare us right. 
but it is good to confess to others. We actually see this in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I think this is especially appropriate when we have a problem and we need to share it with somebody and invite them to hold us accountable, that we can confess to them, hey, here's an issue in my life, and I want to invite you into my story so that you can hold me up. That's where it's really good to confess to others. And all of that, again, helps us to run and and not dabble in sin. So confess to God, absolutely. But if you need to confess to somebody else to bring them in on the situation to help you, feel free to do that because that may be the very thing that helps you run from sin. And then finally, give yourself to a lifestyle of confession. Uh, Put it on the calendar. Schedule it. All right, today, 9 o'clock is confession hour. And just step right in. Think Adele. Say hello and have that conversation with God. By the way, one of the things I have found to be helpful is I use my car time and traveling to different places to actually talk to God. And I have found it to be really refreshing because everybody talks in their car now because of Bluetooth, so you're not a weirdo if you do that. So you may not be talking on the phone, but use that travel time. And okay, you know, God, here I am, and here's what's happening, and family this, and church this, and here's stuff I need to confess. Pick a time and put it on the calendar and do it. And I think that's how we can make confession a regular part of what happens in our lives. Give yourself to a lifestyle of this because I think that's how we eventually have victory. Confess, a, a, a beautiful word. A beautiful word that is tied to the sacrifice of Jesus and how he satisfied God. And he did that for us. So let's run into his presence and confess knowing that God will be faithful. Such encouraging news. God has to be faithful and he has to be just. He will forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. So back to the big idea. Sin stinks. It stinks. It's not good. And followers of Jesus should do everything they can to run from it. So, may God give us the courage and the strength to run. Father, we come to you thankful for this particular word. Confess a challenge for us. I don't think we often like to do it because it reminds us of our own shortcomings and failures, but yet you invite us to freely step into your presence. We don't have to be afraid of that even when we have sinned. God, which happens to all of us. We're all sinners. So God, I pray that you would help each and every person here to choose to give themselves to a lifestyle of confession. May we make it a regular part of what happens every single day. And God, the beauty of making this a lifestyle of confession is that when we come to you and say the same thing about our sin 
that you say, and that's what confess means. If we do that, if we are of one mind with you on that, you will forgive and cleanse us. Wow, what a thought. What a thought that I I can be clean before God. God, I know my thoughts and my heart. Often it doesn't please you. It doesn't honor you. The thought that I can be clean before the holy God, the holy God, it's extraordinary. So God, help us to step into this exercise of confession. God, and help us to run from sin. Help us to run from it, not dabble in it. It's dangerous and it will take us down. It will, it will destroy us. And it will take everything. Everything, especially our love for you. So God, confession is so important. Help us to engage in it and have these wonderful conversations with you. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. I want to invite you now into a time of confession. Maybe God's bringing some things your mind and you just need to acknowledge that before him and say the same thing about it that God would say I want to give you space to just step before God and say I'm here and I need to confess As you're talking to him, claim the promise of 1 John 1, 9. That God is faithful and just and he will forgive and cleanse from all wickedness. going to step into a time of communion now. I can't think of a better way to walk through that than than to have a, a clean heart before God. And if you have been confessing some things, know that God hears that. And he is faithful and just, and he will forgive. And you get the opportunity now to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, our propitiation, you get the chance to remember that in a beautiful way. So God, as we now step into this time of remembering the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, use this to help us look to you. God, we've already sung about how great thou art. And when I think about what you have orchestrated for us, what you have put into motion for us, yes, how great thou art. And we remember the work of Jesus now. We pray this in his name.
Amen. We're going to serve communion now, and the elements are down front. There is a piece of bread and a cup of juice. You'll be dismissed by Rose. When that time comes, please come and grab a piece of bread and that cup of juice. Take those elements back to your seat. Hold them in your hands. And remember Jesus, the propitiation for your sins, and how he allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for you, for you, so that you could have this forever friendship with God. Here at Valley Point, we practice open communion, which means if you've trusted in Jesus alone, we freely invite you to come and participate, and we hope that you'll do that. Maybe you're not comfortable participating. We understand that, and we want to respect that. You can simply remain at your seat when rows are dismissed. Just be sensitive to the people who may want to move around you. Let's remember now the great sacrifice of Jesus, the propitiation for our sins.
us that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he lifted it up and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Partake and do this to remember me and my sacrifice. Let's partake together, remembering the great sacrifice of Jesus. part of that event, Jesus also lifted up a cup of wine and said, this is my blood which will be shed for you. Partake and do this to remember me. Let's partake together, remembering the great sacrifice of Jesus. Our great God, we are thankful for some time to remember what Jesus has done for us. May we never forget his incredible sacrifice, his broken body and his shed blood for us. God, all of which makes it possible for us to know you. Help us to take all of this today and use it to lead us to a lifestyle of confession to you, which you invite us to do. We pray this now in the name of Jesus, the one we remember. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.